Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. On the screen, and we're using this as a basis for us to really just drive down. Paul in Galatians 5 paints a picture. He paints a picture of two stories, of two lives, two potential lives. And we'll begin, shall we, from verse 16. He says to this church, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And he's addressing that because this church, we're running back to the law. That's what was happening. They found freedom in God. They found this amazing grace. But now all of a sudden there were things coming back to us. And they thought that they just had to have the law to live out this life. And he was saying, you don't need to live under the law. And then he goes on to paint this picture. Picture number one. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Let me tell you, it isn't just in this 21st century that those things happened. This was happening in the first century. It's happened throughout all of history. This isn't just become mad now. The world is mad, but it was mad then. I'm not speaking to anybody. I preach better when I get a bit of reaction, okay? There's a lot of crazy stuff that was happening here. That's the first picture. And then he says, I warned you as I did before, that those who live like this, this picture, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. I haven't got time to unpack some of this stuff, but I'm telling you, that's powerful stuff. But then he paints another picture. That's the first life. And of course, that's the sinful life. That's the selfish life. That's the life that a lot of people can live. And you might be here today and you may be living like this. You may be living like this. I don't come to condemn you. God doesn't come to to condemn you. He comes lovingly to you. And he says and appeals to you, there is another way for you to live. This is the other life. He says, Paul then reads in, in Galatians 5 verse 22, but... The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the life that God has for you. That's what he's saying. There's a fruit that God has for you. He wants you to walk in this this other picture. He wants you to turn away from that stuff. You don't have to live like that. There's another way for you to live if you'll just walk by the Spirit of God and keep in step with the Spirit of God. And it's full of love. And it's full of joy. And it's full of peace. And it's full of patience. And it's full of kindness and it's full of goodness and it's full of faithfulness and it's full of gentleness and it's full of self-control would anybody like that kind of life I tell you if I had the opportunity which one would you be choosing I'd be choosing the second one because we live in a world that lacks peace lacks joy lacks love you know lacks any sign of kindness or benevolence to others it's dog eat dog And Paul is saying, look, there's a different way for the people of God to live. Church is saying, church at Galatia, there's a different way for you to live in than the one you live in. Come on, live this one. 
Walk in this. You don't even have to try. Something of God will just wash over you. So this is what we want to talk into this morning. Because it can be that we live opposite to what we've described. That was the whole thought of who are you really? Because let me tell you, I can put my church face on. I can put my church Sunday best on. I can put my church language on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I look like I'm glowing in the dark and levitating with the Spirit of God. And I've just had a blazing row with my wife. Am I speaking to anybody? I've just cut somebody up and wanted to, you know, curse them. And yeah, I come in and I've got my church face on. Oh, and everybody thinks, oh, the pastor's so holy because I've got this church face on. Listen to me. This is why I've been really excited about this series because we want to delve into who are you really? There's a phrase that, I, that I've got. I just picked up this. You know, and I was really in, in challenged by it. And this is how I want to live my life. I want to be real because fake is exhausting. Fake is so exhausting. If you're constantly lying, you will have to keep lying and then you trip yourself up because you forget what you've told people. I've worked with people like this. I've, I've, not here, of course. In, um, well. Listen. We've all been around it. You say one thing, then one lie leads to another lie, and one mistruth to another mistruth. You, what you're doing is you're just faking it. And it's exhausting. You put on this church face because you think that's what's expected of you. Listen, come as you are. If you're here this morning and you're a bit broken, bit battered, bit bruised, bit messed up, feeling turmoil, feel distressed, feel like the world has been against you, not sure about God, you're welcome here. God loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. And he will work on you and he will work in you. And you will begin to understand more about his loving nature as a father towards you. But what we're trying to do is put away fake because it's exhausting. And last week I really shared, that's where I really drove the Mansfield podcast into. So I would encourage you to listen to that. So very quickly... What are we like in public should be an extension of who we are in private. God is wanting to help us to rid ourselves of the culture and characteristics that are so evident in the world. Whether you're from a church background or from a non-church background, listen to me. There are culture and characteristics that everybody can see that I've described. The first picture that Paul paints, remember? And he wants to change us. And he wants to make us into a people who bear the fruit of God. I should have really got a fruit bowl because what he's describing is this fruit, this fruit of the Spirit, this fruit that is possible for every Christian, every believer, for for us to live in this. But let me tell you, it's not possible through self-help. You can read as many self-help books as you want. You can read 10 10 steps to get impatient. Three steps to being more kind. They may be all helpful, but it's impossible because I've tried it. Anybody else tried it? I've tried to be more patient. I've tried to be kinder. I've tried to be more gentle. It doesn't work. 
It only works as we allow God's Spirit to work in us. That's what he's saying. If you're walking the Spirit, if you're keeping step with the Spirit of God, then it becomes possible. So it's only possible this kind of life through the power and the person of God's Holy Spirit. So it's my joy to just think through two particular parts of of, uh, the fruit. And we're actually not going to go in sequence. I'm not going to talk about love and joy. I want to talk this morning about peace and patience. By the way, I think the teaching team have stitched me up. Because I mean me, patience, talking about patience. Anybody know me? I'll come to that in a minute. They have completely stitched me up, I'm telling you, this morning. It's taken me really, you know, quite a while to just get my head around some of this. And by the way, I'll get to it. Caroline's not here because Isaac's got a national basketball match. So she sends her apologies um, this morning. In fact, he'll be playing just as, we, as we're talking now. And if, you get, if your religious demons jump up in you, even as I say that, well, then just sort yourself out, okay? Because <laughs> God's still with them on the basketball court and we was praying this morning. So, amen? So it's not, not an issue. It's not going to be every week. But anyway, she said to me last night, she says, I am so looking forward to listening to this podcast to see what you have to say about patience. She was laughing. I went, that's not very nice. She says, but I know you. I am really, really. So Caroline, you'll hear this podcast. You're going to hear it all in Jesus' name, okay? But first of all, let's get to peace. Everybody say peace. peace. I'm not talking about a piece of cake and I'm talking about that peace in your heart. Go on, turn to the other neighbor and say peace. 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 The opposite to peace, the opposite to peace is strife. Unrest, listen to me, agitation, distress, discord, turmoil. This is what the world offers. Again, if you hear, this is what the world offers. It says, get a new car and you'll be happy. You won't be. Get a new house, you'll be happy. You won't be. Get a new dress, get, you know, whatever. Get a new wife. That's what it says. If you don't like the old one, get rid of them and go and get a new one. Hello? It won't change anything. Because the issue isn't the wife, the issue is you. For all you blokes, sorry, laughing, the issue isn't the wife. Ladies, come on, you're with me. The issue isn't the ladies, the issue is the men. And by the way, ladies, if you're saying I'm going to get a new husband, the issue isn't the husband, the issue is... I didn't even want to go there, but what I'm saying is we think we can get all these things that's going to change us. It won't change us. There's an offer of peace that Jesus offers us today and it's part of the fruit of the spirits living out this kind of life. You know, I was interested, 85% of UK adults are experiencing stress or worry regularly. 85%. And then they drove it further under a mental health um, survey. Over a third of all adults feel stress for a full day every week. People are under immense stress. And it's also a well-known fact that men now, and David would know this, David Blythe, who's, who's, who's very good in all those areas, there are men, more, more men now committing suicide than ever before. Why is that? Worry, stress, weighed down, lack of peace, no joy, no future. 
And literally, literally the world is littered with stress and pressure and distress and turmoil. And yet, listen to me, if you're here as a believer, it is possible for every Christian to have this kind of peace that Paul describes. You know, worry says, what it's really saying is, I don't trust God with my life. If you're a Christian and you're worrying, what you're basically saying is, I don't trust God with my life. What you're saying is, I can sort this rather than he has this. Verses that have been ringing around my heart over the summer and beyond, and I've confessed them very regularly. Psalm 121 verse 1, it's not on the screen, but it says this, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let my foot slip, and he who watches over me will not sleep or slumber. I want to tell you, my confidence is in him and him alone. And as soon as I start to take my eyes off him, I start to slip into worry, distress, and strife. I start to say, I can sort this, rather than there's one who can sort it, who holds it all. Am I speaking to anybody today? You know, you don't have to know what the future holds because you know who holds the future. Now, some of you this morning, that is a revelation. You're living in it. Some of you, you need to enter into that revelation. And by the way, if you have no revelation, you'll live out of imagination. That's powerful. If you have no revelation, you live out of imagination. You live out of fantasy. You let your mind wander instead of revelation. Revelation of who God is. Never mind who God says we are. What about who God says he is? He is the maker of heaven and earth. He's the one who holds us in the palm of his hand. We are the apple of his eye. God says he will hold us. He will not forsake us. He will be with us wherever we are. That is revelation. That is not working out of imagination. And can I just contend this morning for some people in Arena Church, some of the issues and worries and stress and concerns is because you have not entered into revelation. You are walking out of imagination. And by the way, you won't get this by reading Hello Magazine or Instagram or Facebook or Coronation Street, or EastEnders, or YouTube, or playing stupid computer games. I'm just saying. You're all going to get it this morning, okay? You're not going to get it by watching football, even though you might like the football or sports. This comes through the revelation of this book. And by the way, we need to be in this book. Somebody's once said Facebook. Never mind Facebook. Let's get in his book. So to peace. Because everybody's saying, I want peace. You can get it. It's yours. As a believer of God, it's in this book. But there's three things I want to just say about it. Number one, we have a promise of peace. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to just write this. And I have got some verse of scripture, and I've never done this before. No, well, not for a long while. I've actually printed off five sheets, and there's a lot of Bible verses that we're going to go through. But I want to 
if you want, want them, I'll, I'll give you the sheet at the end and we can email them out. But I want to just encourage you to, to understand all that I'm saying is written in God's word. We need to get God's word in our hearts. Because there could be things that could stop me from living in peace. The Bible says, do not worry. That's a command. Do not worry. Well, how is this possible? It's possible when we get an understanding, revelation of these three things. Number one, we have a promise of peace. Isaiah 54 verse 10 says this, The mountains and hills may crumble, but my love for you will never end. This is God speaking. I will keep forever my promise of peace. I will keep forever my promise of peace. He's saying there may be everything that's smashing around you, everything that's crumbling and falling, but I have a promise of peace that I've spoken over your life. And then says, so says the Lord who loves you. I I have nothing more to say about that. There is a promise of peace because of time that we've got to enter into out of revelation. Secondly, his peace will find you as you look for God. His peace will find you as you look for God. As you search these pages, as there are stress and concerns that come to your life, as there's brokenness and disappointments, as you search this scripture and spend time with God, just talking to him, his peace will find you. Philippians 4 verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Said another way, then because you belong to Christ Jesus, listen to this, God will bless you with peace so that no one can completely understand. And this peace will control the way you think and feel. Listen, you belong to Christ. You find peace once you know who you belong to. You know, if you've got no understanding of who you belong to, what your life consists of, then of course you're going to lack any sense of peace and security. But listen to me, this morning we sung it. If you have confessed Jesus as Lord of your life, you've asked him to forgive you of your sins, you want him to live for him, you are a child of God. You need to know who you belong to. Can I hear a big amen? Amen. Then it goes on to say, and this peace then will become yours as you lean into him. As we lean into him, peace begins to fill our hearts. I can't quite understand it because this is what the Bible says. You won't be be able to completely understand it, but something supernatural happens. By the way, thirdly, people won't understand it. They'll be saying, why aren't you stressed? Why aren't you concerned? Why aren't you worried? Why aren't you freaking out? And you'll be saying, I don't know, but it's the peace of God that envelops us and is around us and surround us. Am I speaking to anybody here today? This is what happens. The journey that I'm walking is into this morning, friends. I'm not saying I'm exempt from these things. I have the same life as you have. I have the same concerns as you. I have to pay the same bills as you pay. I have to handle kids. I live in this world. I don't live in a bubble. But I have to find peace. And God says, I will give you peace as you go looking for me. And this peace will change the way, this is what it says, and this peace will control the way you think and feel. It will change the way you think and feel. The only way I can describe it is this. I was a very hands-on dad. For those who can remember, some of you can remember the kids going on. And, you know, if they have a little fall over, you know, the kids, particularly when they were younger, I used to think, well, 
let the mum sort it. But I thought I'd get a bit of a chuckle about that. But anyway, it was, just let the mum sort it. But you know when a, when a child's really, really hurt themselves and there's a scream? Oh, my goodness. There was no way. Caroline only used to do one thing because she knew I would need to get hold of them. She used to do it. She used to pass them to me, not because she couldn't cope. She knew in some ways I needed to get hold of my kids. And I used to get hold of them. And all I would say is literally within moments, they would settle. There's something about this padding. (laughs) Where's Eleanor? Where's Annie? In there, there's something about this padding. I know you said you want your dad a little bit thinner, but there's something about this padding that just used to get him. I won't do it. She's got a husband to do that to her now. But I'd draw her in. The point that I wanted to make, this is the same with God. We just have to press into him. Oh, she's here. Here we go. That's good. She'll be feeling neglected now. I don't normally do this, guys. I don't normally make too much of a, an issue with, with regards to the kiddies. And of course, I don't know where Lilia is and, and Isaac would said, but my point that I want to make, let's not lo- lose sight of it. You know, this is how God is with us. He just draws us in. And we feel the peace and security in his arms. Psalm 91 says this, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Very quickly, he is a resting place. He is a safe place. He is a strong place. And it may not make sense to onlookers, but you are at peace in the arms of God. Number three, not only do we need to, his peace will find us, But thirdly, we have got to walk in peace. All I want to say is this, we've got to walk in it. There's almost a confession of peace over our lives. Caroline would bear me out here today. And actually, numbers of you have had this prayer prayed over you. I pray over you so regularly. Because number six is an Old Testament, but it was a a blessing, a prayer of blessing that God was commanding the priests to speak over the people of God. And this is what it says in verse 22, number 6, verse 22. And interestingly, they were going to go into battle because they were going to go and take land. But this was the promise of God. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and grant you, give you his peace. I haven't got time to unpack this. I did a study over last year about this. It is powerful. It is powerful. The blessing of God, that God is commanding us to speak over ourselves and over our family and over our community. And it's a promise of peace. And we need to walk in this peace. We need to confess this peace. We need to declare his shalom over our lives well-being that's what it means complete wholeness and well-being so when I say bless you I'm not just doing this oh bless him blessed him complete wholeness and well-being over this man it's a powerful declaration that we make and we need to walk in this in this peace have you got that that's very quick 
I've got five minutes to talk about patience. I've done that on purpose because I ain't really got a lot to say. (laughs) But in five minutes, I'm going to give it a whirl. Okay. As I said, there's a certain irony about me speaking about this as I'm by nature impatient. Delays, traffic jams, queues, long lines create a massive tension internally. Am I speaking to anybody here today? Anybody bold enough to put their hand up and say this is... It frustrates the heck out of me. Thanks, Des, for your encouragement. But this patience is defined as the ability to wait. I've got a ring in my, in my ears, my wife. She just says to me, just wait. Just will you wait? I don't want to flip it. I mean, we'll be having a... St- I don't want to wait. Anyway, the ability to wait. Or to continue to doing, doing something despite difficulties. Or to suffer without complaining. Or becoming annoyed. Patience. I want to be real because fake is exhausted. I am not here. I have to be honest with you. Because I still get really, really impatient with with the kids. I get impatient. I'm not talking about slamming and the kind of stuff that you've probably got in your mind. It's not that. But I know it's not good enough. It's not good enough. I'm getting frustrated when there's yet another set of roadworks. But for me, it starts muttering and chunnering and all the rest of it. Instead of just saying, oh, not again, and then I move on. I don't. I'm, I'm, it's churning up in me. Am I speaking to anybody? It just churns up in me. It's not good enough. So if you would pray for me in this area, the peace I'm pretty good with, but this one I'm a little bit not as good with. And it's no good saying excuses. I have a bias towards that. Well, that is true, I think. It has nothing to do with my mum and dad, how they raised me. Because actually, I've got a brother and a sister who seem to have got the patience quota that I didn't get. <laughs> but there'll be something in that list that they struggle with. Yeah. And that we all struggle with. So if you just walk with me on this journey, yeah. don't lease up on me. Because I need to get this. Because yeah. it's... A product of leaning into God and allowing His Spirit to be at work in us. But two very quick things that I want to say to you that I stood it, and I need to just get this a little bit better. Listen to me. If we want patience, it starts with bowing. If you're taking notes, it starts with bowing. It's an interesting thing. I'm just going to read some verses to you. Proverbs 19, verse. Are you still with me? Yeah. yeah? Everybody with me? Is everybody still? Proverbs 19, verse 11. It says this A person's wisdom. Yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offence. It means to release forgiveness, the second part. But it was the first part. A person's wisdom yields or gives birth to patience. So then if it's wisdom that we need to get, where does this wisdom come from? Proverbs 1 verse 7 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and destruction. Said another way, this verse in another context, listen to me, this is really, really good. It's on the screen. 
If you want wisdom, it starts with God. The first step in learning, in brackets gaining wisdom, is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. So this is my thought that I've got. This is my theory. If I want patience over my life, more of it, it starts with bowing. Because it starts at the root of it is wisdom. And wisdom gives birth to patience. It begins to, as we begin to gain wisdom, this wisdom will yield and give birth to patience. To underline it, underscore it, if we want patience, it starts with bowing. And some of you here today, you're not confessing, but I am. But you know in your heart, you're as impatient as me. It starts with bowing before God. But then secondly, there's another thing that I saw in the scriptures. And I really do, by God's grace, want to work these things through. Because I want to become a better dad and a better husband and a better leader and a better citizen of this earth. If I want to be patient, I need to bow my knee before God, but then I need to get dressed every day. Now you may say, well, you're not going to go around walking naked. No, but some people do spiritually. Because this is what Colossians 3 verse 12 says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness. And is it going to come on? Put it in the next one. Because I want them to get this. Kindness, next part of the verse. You got it? I know what it says. And with patience. I'll say that again. Therefore, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What I'm basically saying in essence is this. We have to put on patience. It's a choice of the will. It's a decision. When I'm in that queue, it's a choice of the will, Jeff, to me say, I'm just going to relax. Now, that is tough but I'm just going to chill. And by the way, most of my impatience comes because I'm dashing at 300 mile an hour and I don't create margin. I could go on and talk about, oh, if we're creating a bit more margin in our lives, you know, if we've got to get to an appointment, don't leave, and it's going to take you 15 minutes, don't leave at 15 minutes because likely you're going to hit some traffic. Hello? Probably give yourself 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Then you just, when you hit traffic, you think, I've still got good time. Am I speaking to anybody here today? I'm speaking to myself. Just saying, just some practical things. But we want to get this peace. We want to get this patience in our hearts. While you are waiting, some of you need to know this. God is working. While you are waiting, God is working. The problem is some of us don't wait. So God will continue to slow up his work. Because he's wanting to teach us. If you're here and you're in the midst of challenges and turmoil, he promises his peace. You have a promise of peace. His peace will find you and as you look for God and you can walk in it. If you're here and you need patience, It starts with first bowing, surrendering your heart to God afresh. I'm talking to Christians here by saying, God, 
be everything to me. I'm going to pursue wisdom. I'm going to get out of Facebook and get into his book. I'm going to get out of the TV channels and I'm just going to lean into you, Lord. Will you just give me two, three more minutes? I just want to read this story. It really, it really touched me. And then we'll just sing together. What a beautiful name it is. This was written by a New York cab driver and it reminded me of the simple virtues of peace and patience. I arrived at the address, it's a true story, and honked the horn. After waiting a few minutes, I honked again, since this was going to be my last ride of the shift, and it had been a long day. And I was thinking about just driving away, but instead, I put the car in brake, and walked up to the door and knocked. Just a minute, answered a frail elderly voice. I could hear something being dragged across the floor. After a long pause, the door opened. A small woman in her 90s stood before me. She was wearing a print dress and a pillbox hat with a veil pinned on it, like somebody out of a 1940s movie. By her side was a small nylon case. The apartment looked as if no one had lived in it for years. All the furniture was covered with sheets. There were no clocks on the walls, no knickknacks or utensils on the counters. In the corner was a cardboard box filled with photos and glassware. Would you carry my bag out to the car, she said. So I took the suitcase to the cab, then returned to assist the woman. She took my arm and we walked slowly towards the cab. She kept thanking me for my kindness. It's nothing I told her. I just tried to treat my passengers the way I would want my mum to be treated, my mother to be treated. Oh, you're such a good boy, she said. When we got in the cab, she gave me an address and then asked, could you drive through downtown and he says it's not the shortest way I answered oh I don't mind she said I'm in no hurry I'm on my way to a hospice I looked in the rearview mirror and her eyes were glistening I don't have any family left she continued in a soft voice and the doctor says I don't have very long I quietly reached over and shut off the meter. I was really impacted by that story. True story. I looked into it. A cab driver with his impatience, with him wanting to get where he wanted to get. But here's this lady in the midst of her pain, with evident peace, and in no hurry to get where she wanted to get to. Listen to me, guys. We have one life to live. Let's live it with the peace of God in our hearts. And let's try and eliminate rush and hurry and impatience from our lives because we just never know. Are we going to get involved with a little old lady who who may need some patience and some love shown to her? I wonder if we'd all stand to our feet. I want us to sing this song through before I hand back to Julie. I've got an appeal that I want to make, so don't take that away from me yet. We're going to sing what a beautiful name it is. And if you need the peace of God this morning...